0: Welcome to Periop Talk, the perioperative-specific podcast where we discuss how to make surgery safer, one podcast at a time. From Q and A's with AORN guideline authors to interviews with OR nurses just like you, our goal is to always share practical information for you to take back to your OR. Welcome to Periop Talk Q and A, where we answer your questions about pre-op, to pack you, and everything in between. I'm Renee Battier, Vice President of Nursing at AORN, and I thank you for joining us today. Today, we have Dr. Mary Alice Anderson, a perioperative practice specialist at AORN. She's here to answer questions around the new update to the guideline for complementary care. Thanks for joining us, Mary Alice. Of course, it's such an honor. It's fun. I know there's a lot of information and research out there now about the efficacy of many forms of complementary care, so let's talk about a couple of them. I would think if I'm new to this as a perioperative nurse, could you give me an idea of where could I start with my patient? How, how do I start that conversation of exploring it?
1: Yeah, for sure, Renee. I think that it's, it's a really diverse, varied field. There are mm-hmm. so many different things. One thing that I would say is that you don't want to put anxiety in a patient's head by saying, hey, are you anxious? <laughs> That's um, a great but comment. When, when you're going through like your normal preoperative interview, I think you can kind of tell the patients that are a little bit on mm-hmm. edge. True. And, um, you know, this this builds with time, but I think we all as nurses instinctively have that. And so I would say if you're if you're getting the feel that somebody is not necessarily in the right headspace, Instead of saying, like, hey, are you anxious? You could say, hey, you know, like, this is a really, you know, crazy time, and I know that we're going to go off in a, a couple minutes, and I'm really excited to take care of you the entire time. I'll be with you the entire time. But, you know, what do you what do you usually do if you're anxious aside of this? Like, at home, you know, if you have a big test coming up, what, what kind of things do you look at? And so they might share with you that um, they listen to their favorite song, mm-hmm. or they, mm-hmm. um, you know, talk to a friend, or, you know, maybe that they pray, maybe they're spiritual, but you can always start with that because those are things that the patient has already told you works. exactly, And that you probably can help with and it's in your scope. And so, especially if it's just putting on a little song. And I remember working with kids and they would love distraction. And I I wanted to put a little caveat for that because i think as adults we do that for ourselves we learn that skill for Mm -hmm, ourselves mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you can't you know suggest a distraction technique for an adult who's having a little bit of anxiety but for kids we would put on like their favorite tv show or a youtube video and they would just walk right past mom and dad they didn't care so like it's very interesting because you can choose um Something that's within your power to do right in that moment, it could take five seconds. But something that the patient has already told you is it works for them, mm-hmm, then, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really have to be skilled or looking at different things that you don't maybe have time
0: for. Right. No, I think that's a great place to start because it's something you don't have to have special skills for. It's something we already do. It's just being more intentional about it and helping bring the patient into how how best to solve that. That's a great example. You mentioned acupuncture a couple of times. I want to ask a little bit about things like that that may take a specific type of certification, training, etc. M- many moons ago, I was at an academic place where we got to have a policy about therapeutic touch with some skilled caretakers doing that. And I know that there's other examples of that, certainly as you've done a more recent research, where there there has to be a higher level of expertise in bringing in. And I would think that'd be a different part of the planning ahead of time if the patient really wants X or Y. What are those resources and how can we access them? Other thoughts?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's really important to know any kind of regulatory or state mm. regulations regarding these practices because but there are different laws in some states for massage and Reiki right right so you don't really know these different nuances if you're not thinking about them or if you're not well versed in them or know different things so I mean I, I would say for really anything but especially like massage Reiki acupuncture hypnosis all of those things those are very specific right Those have licenses attached to them, certifications attached to them, education, training requirements. I'm not saying that a perioperative nurse can't be Mm -hmm. one of them Mm -hmm. and choose to ask their individual patients at will if it's within their scope at their organization. But things like, you know, we were talking about like hand massaging and rubbing the shoulder and just being there. And maybe, you know, they asked for you to help them with a prayer. You know, those are little things where I think that we've always done them. And organizations may want to decide, is there a fine line between what is, uh, like, autonomous nursing practice versus Mm -hmm. what is actually an intervention that needs to be
0: specific to a type of skill.
1: Yeah, or, or like, controlled in a way where they can can Mm -hmm. monitor it, right? Mm -hmm. Because especially if you have, like, one nurse who's running around doing Reiki for all of their patients and their patients are getting better outcomes, wouldn't you want to study that? and see and maybe provide that intervention for all of your patients. But you wouldn't know if you didn't study. And so that was like, fortunately, there's so much new information. Unfortunately, there's so much variability where I can't Mm. even tell you this person did Reiki the same way every time because there are different types of Reiki and different levels of Reiki masters. So then I can't tell you like what kind of massage because they all did different types of massages. And they, (laughs) I mean, reflexology is a whole different subset of massage Mm -hmm, that has mm -hmm different methodology. sure. And so some people only do hand or foot reflexology, not the whole entire body. So then you're talking about like even more things, right? So I, I, I think there's, I think the biggest thing about complementary care is that it has to be within organizational policy, right? following right. everything, right? But then
0: individually, each team needs to know kind of what they're willing to do the new Guidelines for Perioperative Practice will be out in January with six new or revised guidelines and clinical recommendations, including the Guideline for Complementary Care. Don't miss it. You can pre-order your print book or the all-new, fully digital version of the book at a great price at aorn.org. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll share this podcast with your colleagues, and we hope that you'll join us next time for Periop talk.